Welcome to the Live the Path podcast, where we meet real people leading unreal lives. Today we're interviewing Reverend James Marsh. Uh, he is the pastor at the Mount Zion uh, United Methodist Church, and he is taking us on a journey of reading selected Bible passages over the course of this year, and we have started with Genesis. And I thought it would be useful to have James just comment on some of the questions that have come up as I've been reading and studying and getting familiar with uh, passages that in the past I, I've only uh, peripherally been familiar, familiar with. So James, I hope you're doing well today. I know it's cold where you are. And it's a balmy three degrees. <laughs> Three, this morning anyway. Three degrees, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, it's not much cold, warmer where I am. I'm in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, but at least we don't have any snow here. So, <laughs> so good, very good to hear from you. Um, so we'll just, we can just dive right in. I know your time is uh, precious uh, today is Sunday, which is usually the busiest day that you have in your schedule, I'm sure. Um, so we'll start with this just general idea of uh, I, I kind of did this backwards. We we I started learning New Testament first, and then uh, now we're shifting to Old Testament, or I've shifted to Old Testament. Um, so if you could just comment on the the contrast between uh, the Old Testament, in particular the the Book of Genesis, to just the general flavor, the the culture of the New Testament, they seem to be very different to me. Well, they, they are, they, um, you know, they're different, but they're very, but they're the same in some surprising ways. Um, first of all, if you, if you set the context, uh, of course, the New Testament was written in the first century AD, or as some people say now, ACE. Genesis, the, t the setting of Genesis, of course, is um, an unknown period of time. You know, we start with the creation story and whether you think that was 6,000 years ago, or you think that that was, you know, 4 billion years ago. Uh, there's a, an unknown period of time, but the the human element of Genesis, the, the uh, events would be 2,000 years before Jesus, so 2,000 BC or so in that time period. So, of course, the cultures were uh, dramatically different between then and the time of Jesus. Um, one of the things that that I do when interpreting Scripture, uh, when you go back and look at a book in Genesis, there's a temptation by some to, to pluck out an individual passage and just interpret that passage on its own. Uh, the problem is, is that, that that passage isn't in a vacuum. Uh, and so you interpret it based on all that surrounds it, the entire book, and also the entire arc of God's uh, continuing revelation that we have in, in the canon of Scripture uh, from Genesis through the New Testament. So one overarching theme, and there's these, there's these patterns that run all the way from the beginning to the end, uh, uh, but, but essentially the entire story is about God's a plan of redemption, of redeeming the creation, and 
Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Um, in fact, he shows us the new way to become human, to be what we were intended to be to start with. And so when you read these this Genesis text, uh, 50 chapters, um, you read it, we have the benefit of being able to look back on it knowing the whole rest of the story. Uh, so the, the text has to be read from that perspective, from the totality of Scripture. Does that make sense? Ah, yes, I hadn't considered that. So I guess I was thinking, I was, I was considering them separately, and I was thinking, well, you know, if I were, if I were Jewish, you know, we, we would stop at this, and we would, you know, we, we're mm-hmm. not, we would not include the New Testament. And um, it, it, it just seems like if I, my, my take on it, you know, the, my, my newbie eyes, it, there was a lot of people behaving badly in Genesis mm-hmm. and repeatedly failing and um, just mm-hmm. almost, you know, once in a while you'd see somebody with some redeeming characteristics, but it was all, you know, people angling to get more goats or mm-hmm. they were trying to get this woman or that woman. And it, I just, mm-hmm. uh, it's not what I expected. I expected, you know, mm-hmm. something different. <laughs> so um, what about that part you know, of all the things that you, you could record in it? And the other thing that really jumped out at me was, how active, um, actively these people were conversing with God in Genesis, mm-hmm. just thinking nothing mm-hmm. of it almost, or maybe the people writing it were describing it as if it was nothing. You know, Abraham, Abraham having conversations with God back and forth, and um, mm-hmm. these people just getting direct instruction from God, which it doesn't seem to happen in the New Testament a lot. I mean, it was, it's more rare anyway. What, what do you think of just the day-to-day? Well, Let's start with the, the first question you asked about uh, humans behaving badly. Um, one of the one of the unique things about Scripture about this text is it is unique among um, ancient texts in that it puts on full display the flaws of its heroes. In fact, nearly every person mentioned in Genesis. Uh, even even the ones who were called righteous also failed at times and even did terrible things. Uh, taking Abraham, for example, uh, we're told that uh, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness, his faith. God called him righteous. Uh, and at times he demonstrated great faith, obeying when it didn't make sense to obey. But then at other times he did things like uh, let other rulers take his wife and then lied and said, she's my sister, not my wife, because he's afraid they w- that they would kill him. Um, so we have these moments where, I mean, that's human trafficking, basically. And uh, he, he gets it right sometimes, and he gets it wrong sometimes. We, we start with the creation. And so God created all that we have, and whether people argue about whether it's you know six literal days or it's allegorical to a whole period of time, um, the one thing that you can take from the text is that God did it, and he, that it was good, and that he created it to be perfect. And then he created uh, man, uh, the Adam, which is a play on words in the Hebrew of the dirt, because he was made from the dirt. 
and the Eve, which is the Hebrew word for life. So he created the dirt and gave him the life. And he placed them in a garden and intended them to be in direct communion with him. And he gave them only one restriction, you know, and whether it's literal or it's uh, figurative, uh, he told them, you are not to define what good and evil is apart from me. You're not to eat of the tree of the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil and define for yourself what is good and evil. Because what happens when humans decide for themselves what is good and evil? Hmm. Yeah, they often choose wrong. Yeah, yeah, we will choose wrong at least part of the time. And part of being made in God's image is that he gave us free will. In fact, you know, that's that's part of the – so he gave us free will. He created us, gave us free will, and sometimes we're going to choose wrong. Sometimes we're going to choose wrong a lot. Sometimes we're going to choose terrible wrong. And so the first couple sin, and they choose to define good and evil for themselves. And so God doesn't kill them. As uh, he had told him, if you eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, you will surely die. But in his mercy, he doesn't kill them, and but he puts them out of this garden, which is the place where heaven and earth meet. It's the place where both of those realms exist in the same place. Also figurative. We could do a whole podcast on that. But he he still creates a way forward, and in that incident where um, – the fall had occurred, and he said to the serpent, uh, who we understand represents Satan, the Hasatan, the, the evil one, though that's not what it's called in that passage, uh, but we understand that to be Satan. He says, and I will make enmity between you and the woman, and you will, he will, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head, and the first promise is made for us that one day it will all be made right. Of course, that is we call that the uh, the uh, prime uh, prime uh, prophecy of the Messiah. That's the first promise of a coming one. But the very next chapter is Cain and Abel, the very first homicide, uh, and it goes south from there, and and. Uh, Cain, the uh, killer, is his descendants uh, spiral into more and more and more wickedness. Uh, he has a uh, descendant named Lamech who brags at his uh, ruthlessness and that uh, he kills someone who offends him, and, and he's the first to take multiple wives and, and carry them along like property and and – it, it spirals and spirals and spirals, and there comes a point where uh, Satan and his demons, uh, that his demons actually uh, engage in relationships, sexual relationships with human women and create the uh, Nephilim, which are monsters. Uh, and the world is so corrupt and so evil, humans, by their own choice, uh, that he chooses – to um, wash it clean. But here again, he creates a way of safety. 
Yeah, actually, I was going to refer to that. I was I was going to ask you about the the, the whole the Noah issue uh-huh. as well, um, and and that's you know just again all these are coming from a guy that that, that I, uh, I of course I'm new to all of this, so don't, I don't mean to ever mm-hmm. offend you or offend anybody else, but uh, these are just things that came up. Which is the the one striking thing is um, it, if God creates us and God is all knowing, why does He keep making us imperfect you know like why 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 are we it's like you know you just it's like a, a toddler on a scooter almost where you know you can't take your eye off him for a minute because he's going to drive into traffic you know that that's almost the uh-huh. image i got in my head when i was reading um these various stories which almost all end in uh, you know, not not in a good place um so mm-hmm. if, if you could just comment on that like why why um why does God have to conduct reboots with like Noah and, um, and, and send his son? And, you know, if, why can't he just keep, make us okay to begin with? Because the only way to do that, the only way, you know, now this is, this is a very deep thing that I can't tell you that I fully understand, but he gave us free will. It comes back to the free will. And it, so it would be like, you know, the old show about the Stepford Wives. So he created us to, to love him, even if we have a choice not to. And it would be meaningless if we didn't have that free will. Of course, the problem is, is that our free will, we use it, we weaponize it, and we, we, uh, do what we think we should do to uh, to give us advantage and our tribe advantage, even at the expense of another and their tribe. Um, but one of the things, especially in Genesis, and and since we talked this morning, I went and read this uh, this uh, book again. You know, we read it in the last few few weeks from the from the uh, schedule that I put out. Well, I went and read it a second time, and uh, one of the themes is that. Over and over and over again, even though humans choose evil, without taking away their their free will, God uses their evil to accomplish good. Like in the story of Joseph, where his brothers were uh, sold him into slavery, well, God uh, caused the circumstances to happen where he rose to the to to be second in command of the kingdom, and he gave him special blessing. And uh, his brothers then had to come to him looking for food. And there's this beautiful verse where he says, well, what you meant for evil, God has used for good and to save many lives. And that's one of the overarching themes of this book is that despite our choices, despite how we choose evil almost every time, and 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 nothing's really changed, right? I mean, it's still that way, but God uses our evil choices, and He still brings them to good. And we're told in Romans eight twenty eight that all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Um, now that doesn't mean things always work out, because that's a whole another podcast is the the why bad things happen to good people and that's we 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 read about that in job but we're also going through but um it's that god takes even evil and by his uh, sovereignty 
by his providence, he can uh, even use that for his good will and for redeeming these creatures that he's made and apparently loves so much that he allows this to go on. In fact, it's his love that uh, causes him not to throw the smack down on us. It's his love that maybe one more will come to believe. Maybe one more will be saved. Maybe one more will turn to him that he doesn't give us what we deserve. That's grace. That's his grace. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. I, I, the, the, even when you're in the depths of depravity and hopelessness, there is a way through. Um, and mm-hmm. there are examples of that throughout the Bible. I think you've touched upon a few of them. Um, so let me ask you another uh, hard issue. No, nothing's easy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this, mm-hmm. but, but this idea of... Uh, Women and you've you've referred to this in your sermons that women really mm-hmm. had no uh, place in society other than just childbirth. But it is really hard mm-hmm. to read, you know, like the, particularly the passage mm-hmm. um, uh, of I can't remember the, the 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 name of the character, but in Sodom where the the men collected outside his house and said mm-hmm. send those men out mm-hmm. so we can have sex with them, and and the 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 head of the household said, you know, leave them alone. Let me send my virgin daughters out for you to, you know, which I, you know, that was, that's stunning. I mean, it's stunning, first of all, that it would be mm-hmm. there, that they would write about it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Whether it happened or not is a different story. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's something that they would write, that they would mention in the Bible, it's a very harsh thing. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine um, anything quite as harsh for a father to say, I'm going to send my daughters out for mm-hmm. you to have your way with them. Um, and, so I, I can see how someone who's a feminist and, and maybe more inclined to liberalism, them reading things like that and saying, wow, this is really very antagonistic to women. Um, it's a, um, so give, give me your thoughts about that. So let me tell you something that will surprise you and that will surprise most people. You know, all of the things that you struggle with reading this as a, a newcomer to these texts are all things that I struggle with and have struggled with. Some of them I have come to uh, grips with, some things I have not. Um, we also have a tendency to look look back on things from a 21st century perspective. Um, so think about this for a minute. God doesn't create cultural norms. Humans do that. And so in the time that is depicted in these texts, which is about 2000 BC. Uh, So God's redeeming of humanity uh, will take these uh, reforms or these uh, cultural norms and reform them uh, over time because humans make these uh, cultural norms. In that particular story, it's Lot is who you're talking about. That's Abraham's uh, nephew. And, uh, you know, you have to back up a little bit to the story. Abraham is, you know, minding his own business. He's sitting out by the the uh, Oaks of Mamre, uh, where his tent is, and he's, he's doing his thing. And along come these visitors. Uh, the implication in the story is that the visitors are angels who are on a mission to go conduct surveillance. And... Uh, God has received, uh, has come to understand that uh, Sodom, the city of Sodom 
and uh, were later told Gomorrah have become so evil that uh, that he intends to destroy them. And there's this there's this negotiation between Abram. At that time, he's Abram, but he's later called Abraham, uh, and, and these the Lord. And uh, any place you see the term angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament, it's actually a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Christ. So it's Christ that's interacting with him. But uh, there's a negotiation. Well, Lord, what if you find 50 righteous people? Will you destroy it? I won't destroy it for 50. And he negotiates it all the way down to 10. Of course, there are 10. There's Lot and his family, and that's it. And uh, so the men go into the city. They uh, they are greeted at the gate by Lot, and Lot takes them to his house, and he convinces them to stay with him. And while they're there, the men of the village surround the house, and they clamor, send out those men we saw come in that we may have sex with them. Uh, we, of course, there's a tendency of many to uh, interpret that to mean that this is a condemnation of, of homosexuality. Well, there's a whole lot worse things going on here, right? This is, I mean, this is violence at its height. These men want to, these men want to rape these angels. And then Lot does a terrible thing to us. He says, well, I'll send out my virgin daughters to you. And what you're seeing here is part of that culture of that time is a uh, uh, there was a cultural mandate called the law of hospitality and it pops up throughout scripture but uh, it's the idea that so strangers come along you have if you're a righteous person you have an obligation to offer them a place to stay and a meal um, and you also also offer them your protection, even at your own expense or your family's expense. And uh, it's not righteous what Lot does, but he's he's doing so uh, according to the societal norms of the time, according to what was considered righteous by people at the time. Uh, of course, it doesn't work. The the men say no. Give us the the men, and and the the angels then take action and strike all the men blind and rescue Lot and his family, and uh, they leave town, and then God destroys those those cities because of their clear – they've become like the most evil city on earth. Um, speaking into the, uh, the, the place of women throughout Scripture, so it is – like I said, human constructions are called, and cultural norms are a human construct. Um, but actually, the place of women that are given in Scripture is very countercultural. For example, if you go read uh, the stories throughout the Old Testament about women, you know, there's uh, four Old Testament women who are called prophetesses. Uh, there are, uh, in Jesus's. Um, genealogy that's recorded in Matthew and Luke, uh, there are women who aren't, first of all, aren't Israelites. Uh, Rahab the harlot, for example, who uh, harbored the spies that were sent in to Jericho and uh, asked only, save my family when you come. And, and so uh, she's actually listed as an ancestor of Jesus. Uh, Ruth uh, was the grandmother of David, 
and she was a Moabitess who was an enemy of of uh, the Israelites. Uh, and throughout, you know, they're, they're actually given a higher level that most women were given in that culture, that patriotic, excuse me, uh, patriarch, patri- I can say this word, <laughs> patriarchal uh, society. And of course, when Jesus comes along and shows us what it really is to, to live as a real human, his elevation of women is far beyond. He elevates women to to equal, mm-hmm. equality. Um, and so, yeah, uh, if you read these, if you read Genesis without reading John, you would think that God endorses that. Uh, and, and many of these passages that we're reading, these stories, God doesn't endorse their behavior. The behavior is recorded there. Uh, we're, Lot is not... Um, Condoned for that behavior, right? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's good. Yeah, it seems it's, almost uh, like they're they're very objectively just putting down what happened, and uh-huh. you know, God is not taking a stance either way, which you kind of want him to, but you know, it's like, but he does in several instances. But you know, the New New Testament is is it's to me is like a hard left from. Mm-hmm. The way women were treated. I mean, I know that you brought up some examples of powerful women, um, and they certainly had power in the Old Testament. Um, uh, but it seemed like it was it was a softening and a a, a a detour that Jesus took with his relationship with women and how he saw them and the role that they played in his ministry, and um, which is a lot more modern. Even for two thousand years ago, it was very modern because. Um, Mm-hmm. Even for the the culture of that time, right? He, he treated women yes. differently. Um, he treated women equally, right? Which which made him, yeah. I think. I mean that 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 was not the norm at the time, correct? Even in the even in, no. at the time of Jesus, yeah. yeah. So, for for example, with the, the the who did he choose to reveal himself risen to first was the women. Mm-hmm. First, he revealed himself to Mary Magdalene. And so, essentially, she's the first apostle, because she's the first person he sent to carry the message of the risen Savior. Right. Right. And and so the so the men didn't believe her because women weren't considered. You know, they had to go see for themselves. You know, because in that culture, women weren't even considered reliable witnesses. Mm-hmm. But that's who Jesus revealed himself first to first. Well, you know, something's becoming clear just talking to you is that these paradoxes, you really can't stop at face value. Like these things that you read, mm-hmm. you have to, like you said, dig deeper. And mm-hmm. and if God is not just putting a rule book there, he's putting something that we really have to study and learn about in order to mm-hmm. uh, to, to glean meaning from. Um, so that, that uh, you know, I don't mean to oversimplify this, but it is making me feel a lot better after talking to you about some of these things. And, and, and you, that, that um, you can't just read them like you would a novel. There's there's the cultural setting. There's um, people trying mm-hmm. to, their best to interpret um, what they know from God or what they they can what they hear God telling them. Uh, and and we are going to always get it wrong. I mean, that's why we are we are not God mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it does seem that not much has changed. Uh, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are above about, I mean, we're never going to create heaven here. Uh, it, it is always going to be, um, 
a human place with human flaws and, and imperfections. Um, and, and, you know, like I, I, I think I mentioned to you, that really struck me uh, last mm-hmm. night. You know, I, I'm an eye doctor, so I don't get to see terrible things very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but just um, it, that little window last night where I saw that gentleman, the young guy who was uh, hit, hit in the face with his uh, you know, cousin struck him with a, a bottle of some sort. And then if that wasn't enough, he tried to run him over with a car. And, and I just got a window into the life of this guy who was not even 30 years old um, when I dug up his medical record and he had you know, gunshot wounds. Suffered a gunshot. Yeah, just mm-hmm. a couple of years earlier. I know that in, obviously you, having been a sheriff's deputy, you you see a lot of this. But um, I just I just got this deep sense of sadness and for, for this young man that just kind of been born into the wrong circumstances and, and how once you're born into that track, things just happen. And one thing compounds on another and his blood out blood alcohol level was 0.3, which I don't think I could, I, yeah, I would be unconscious. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that went all, and that was by the time he was in the ER, which was two hours after he had his accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, so th- there, there is a lot of depravity and there's a lot of, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Sodom type stuff, uh, still mm-hmm. in the world today, we can kind of hide and act like, you know, we live in our little cubicle with our friendly, uh, you know, neighbors and, you know, but, but the rest of that stuff is there. Um, and, and it's a lot to, it's a lot to, you can't let it, um, like I, I just, I think I mentioned also to you that the, the other really, uh, prominent thing that I noticed last night, which, which caught me off guard, which was how all of this seemed normal to the, to the professionals that were mm-hmm. walking around the doctors and nurses and, you know, people mm-hmm. were just, uh, almost acting like they were watching a movie and they weren't engaged. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't let the, the just the horror of what a human being that was shot two years ago. And now, you know, someone tried to kill him again. You know, mm-hmm. God knows for what reason, and we're all just walking around, you know, no one, no one's crying. No one's holding this guy's hand. He's just, um, it, it was just, it was uh, deeply saddening for me to see that. Let me speak into that a little bit, because I, I read that and uh, I was struck by that because there was at least one person who was affected or you wouldn't have uh, put that in the message to me. In fact, you saw that when you looked in this kid's eyes, he looked like a child. So you said a while ago that, uh, well, we're never going to create heaven on earth. So you've heard me talk a lot about the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus came and he took on human form, he became human like us fully God fully human and he taught us how to be uh, how to be a new way to be human and there are places throughout scripture where there is a there you know there's two spheres there's the the heavenly sphere and the earthly sphere and every now and then there's places where they intersect and there's a space that is both heaven and earth a couple examples is the Garden of Eden Another example from your reading in Genesis was when uh, uh, 
Jacob encountered uh, God at Bethel, and and there's the uh, he has the vision of the ladder, and the angels going up and down the ladder. That's a space where heaven and earth meet. But another such space is at the cross of Calvary at Golgotha, where Jesus creates a sacred space here on earth. And he teaches each of us. He, he fills us with the Holy Spirit so that we go out and when we feed the hungry, when we care for a, a uh, assaulted young man who has been assaulted before, and we see the value in him and we see humanity in his eyes and we recognize that and are shocked at the indifference of others, we create a little space where heaven and earth meet in that moment. And you did that last night. You saw a little piece of heaven because you saw this man who lives a rough life, who uh, who has been you know, there have been you know he's been shot, he's been hit by a car or run over by a car, beat over the head with a, a bottle, all in this in his short thirty years, and then many other things I'm sure that you don't even know about. And you looked in his eyes and you saw someone fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And you saw, it looks like I saw the eyes of a child trapped in a man's body. You saw him like no one else saw him. And at that moment, that was sacred space. Next time I'll I'll do something about it, James. You know, I I, I think I I I did feel that, but um, I, I pulled back to safety pretty quick. Um, it was um, just a, a a hole I didn't want to see where the bottom of it was, you know, because um, I. But I I next time that happens, I'm I'm going to act on it, and um, at least hold the guy's hand and and then tell him somebody loves him and and. Um, that it's going to be okay. Um, it's just everybody had their guard up, including this guy. Like, you know, he was acting all mm-hmm. tough and, you know, he was mm-hmm. trying to make himself as repulsive as possible, I guess, to protect himself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And he's not used to needing help. Yeah, I guess it would be seen as weakness where he lives, I bet. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, he, to, to just to be human and to show weakness like that. Um mm-hmm. Okay, well, that gives me that gives me something to work on uh, next time that that happens, and to maybe I, I I'm determined to do to do better this next time because I'm sure there will be a next time I'm I'm here covering the emergency room for another week, and what an opportunity that is mm-hmm. to to um, fully engage with other people that need me. So, so wow. you saw him, you saw him. Yeah, I did, I did see him. That matters. That matters. For sure. Well, that is fantastic. I don't think, uh, I think maybe you should do a, a series of these podcasts because I've learned a ton and I, I know that there's people in my position that um, have a lot to learn just by hearing a conversation between somebody that doesn't know the Bible that well and somebody that knows it a lot better. Um, and because uh, I, I think there are a lot of people that pass through the, the, the place that I am to get to the next place, mm-hmm. uh, figuratively speaking. So I really do appreciate your time. It is my pleasure. Uh, 
where do we go from here? Oh, well, I think we just need to make a habit of this. Um, I, I, I uh -huh. need to let this soak in because I feel very moved from where the conversation started. And um, I think, thank you for that. Well, I thank you for walking this journey with me and for being my friend. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that very much. And friends like you are definitely hard to come by. Um, so let's, let's plan to do this again soon. Okie dokie. All right, James. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Get some rest and uh, you headed back to work tomorrow, I trust. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, stay safe, All my right. friend, and we'll be in touch very soon. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.